Leafs Converts, TLC OGs, Hockey World. What's going on? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope it's a good one for you. Mike and I are about to collab on a podcast that you are going to love, you're going to hate, you're going to loathe, you're going to adore. But the fact is you're gonna, and that means a lot to us. Mike's ready to go. I'm ready to go. So what do you say? The Leafs combo starts now. And we have connected with our good friend, the one and only Michael Piagello. Mr. A, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. How are you? Good afternoon, Norman. I am well. Uh, thankfully, Christmas has passed, and New, New Year's will be passed very soon, and we can get on to the regular uh, routine, which I always enjoy. I, the, the holidays, just it's sort of like a, you know, it, it just throws me off a little bit. It's, it's great and everything, but I'm always happy to get back to the routine. So uh, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. We had a great Christmas with the kids. They're still opening their presents. I've got a crazy drone story that I'm going to unleash at some point. I may not do it in the podcast, but if any of our listeners want to hear it, I'll, I don't know, maybe do something specific for them. So funny, but we'll, uh, I, I digress. We'll get to it another time. Um, everything involved in our lives right now has to do with the Maple Leafs. We've run a big podcast that focuses on the Maple Leafs. We want Christmas season to get over so we can get back to the Leafs playing. Um, it's 24 hours away. Uh, the World Juniors are going on. For me, I'm not interested in the least except for how the Leafs prospects, namely Ian Scott, goaltender, who will be starting against Switzerland, uh, does. So it's all about the Maple Leafs all the time. And, Michael, one of the good things about you is that you're either talking about the Maple Leafs uh, you're conversing about the Maple Leafs on social media, or you are writing about the Maple Leafs, and you're, you're, in my opinion, the best in the business, Mike. So thanks for carrying this project that we know and love as the Leafs Combo. Uh, w- one of your latest items on HockeyBuzz.com, uh, updating your shopping list that the Maple Leafs either are putting together or have put together in regards to affordable forward options as the trade deadline approaches. So, Michael, take it away. Yeah, I, I and I I wrote about you know obviously the top four defensemen which everybody been talking about you know the Parecos and the Pietrangelos and other options that are out there, and also I, I, my belief is and I think we're, it's reflective of what's been going on lately with you know Justin Hall coming in and playing in the last game against Detroit and not playing in seven weeks and being very rusty, and uh, Martin Marinson being Martin Marinson. Uh, when Igor Ozoganov has the flu, those are the two options that uh, Babcock has. And, uh, you know, right now, Rosen, Borgman, and uh, Liljegren are all out injured. So, to my mind, it also means, in, as well as the top 4D, that they need to go out and maybe add a veteran defenseman that you can get for cheap. You know, there are deals out there. You can get somebody for a fourth or fifth round pick and just somebody who, in case somebody gets injured, that can step in that has some experience. I'm doing the same thing with forward so we see right now you know, Zach Hyman injured Tyler Ennis injured uh they call up <clears throat> Trevor Moore Trevor Moore played very well in the last game against Detroit and he was sent back to the Marlies as a sort of a paper move and now has been called back and he'll play against Columbus tomorrow night but the Leafs are a little bit thin in terms of in the bottom six in terms of experience and in terms of what I would say is pushback. Now, I know that Kyle Dubas said uh, in some comments last week that, you know, he's, he's not looking to go out and add, you know, an enforcer and add one guy. 
but I do think that there is a need, and I'm sure Mike Babcock will press him before February 25th to add a veteran guy or maybe two veteran guys, either defense or forward, that provide a little bit of that pushback that they that, that teams in the playoffs need. And mm-hmm. I think they I think they desperately need it, but you know they don't want to goon it up with Boston. They just want to basically be respected by them. And if somebody takes a run at Mitch Marner, the only guy right now yeah. that respond will be a guy like Pat, a guy like uh, Nazem Kadri, and I think they need more than that. So I put together a list of five players. I'm not saying that Kyle Dubas is targeting them, but if you look at salary, if you look at contract situation, and if you look at experience and the types of players they are, I listed five guys, and I'll just name them off quickly here. Uh, Troy Brower, former Blackhawk, won a cup with the with the Hawks in 2010. Um, he's now with Florida. He got bought out of a contract with the Calgary. He was making a, a healthy chunk there and he's, you know, he's playing okay. Seven goals in 34 games, but we're talking about a bottom six guy, but he's experienced. He's big and he throws his weight around, uh, Patrick Maroon, who scored 27 goals with McDavid a couple years ago in Edmonton. Now with St. Louis. Um, again, he's a left winger, big likes to throw his weight around can also he can also play a top six role he's played mm-hmm. with skilled players like McDavid uh, so he can he could go up and down the lineup uh Kyle Clifford from the LA Kings two Stanley Cups he's won under contract for another year at a million six yeah. you know he's a tough guy um can play the wing I, I he used to be able to penalty kill I don't know if he if he can do that now with the the sort of the quicker forwards in the league um uh another one is uh and this is a fourth line guy who would just be sort of a reserve would be jordan nolan who won a cup with the with the kings um he played uh in sault saint marie while dubas was there i think as an assistant general manager he's Mm -hmm. won a cup with the kings and you know he, he, he he's more basically just like a sort of a matt martin replacement i don't think they'll go that way but i I thought that you know he he has the playoff experience and that might be a fit. Mm-hmm. And the and the last one would be funny, but Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle is on the last year of his contract with New Jersey. We've seen uh, Babcock go back and forth, back and forth between Parland, Holm, and Freddie Gauthier, and that's always a sign with Babcock that he's not happy with either one of them. So he, we know he'd be happy with Brian Boyle. Um, and Brian Boyle is 34 years old. He's still having a pretty decent year. As long as it didn't cost a second-round pick, I, I think they would be on board with that. It would solidify them up the middle. This is the Leafs combo. Norman James along with Mike uh, Jello. Uh, I love your list there, Mike. Uh, players who aren't necessarily big names aren't going to make a huge splash. I mean, we're not going to be watching the Pat Maroon to the Leafs countdown clock on a minute by minute basis, but right. it would be an interesting acquisition with Brian Boyle, Jordan Nolan, Kyle Clifford, Troy Brower, um, guys who have experience, guys who bring niche skill. The question is, does Kyle Dubas want to win a Stanley cup or does he want to say things that appease the analytics birds? Um, the, Kyle Dubas is growing up right before our eyes and I'm sure he's growing as a professional. He's got to ask himself, what is he in the job to do? Make the analytics people happy. Say things that the kids like. Wear the glasses. Smile. Do the floss. Or win a Stanley Cup. Because I hope he's there to win a Stanley Cup. When you start talking about being asset management and being smart at this stage of where the Leafs are, um, you're overdoing it. And you're, in a way, it's almost insulting people. The Leafs are stacked 
and set. Stacked and set. They are missing good players in key spots, but they are stacked and set. So this idea of, well, you know, we got to make sure we're at maximizing assets. The richest franchise in the game is talking as if they're running an operation that is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Start talking about winning an effing Stanley Cup, Kyle. I don't care about how the reaction of these analytics uh, crybabies. I don't care about that. What I want as a fan, as the, uh, the creator and director of a, an important podcast that focuses on your team, is an effing Stanley Cup. Stop trying to appease and placate all of these people who have no idea what it takes to win or lose and probably don't care. Win a cup. Do what it takes to win a cup. No one's asking you to sell the farm because you're stacked and set. Merry Christmas, by the way. Go ahead. I, I don't think that you know Kyle Dubas is placating the analytics crowd. I, I think Dubas is sort of he, – he values analytics – but he also is somebody who recognizes, you know, what recognizes the uh, the quality of certain players who provide a certain role. And you know, I know that he came out and said, you know, he's not concerned about the team, you know, about pushback or toughness or mm-hmm. that. But I, but I think that, you know, he says that because he's not concerned, and that's just a huge. Well, no, he's he he's says, putting his foot in his mouth again. And no, I he, like Kyle Dubas, but you're not concerned about it. No, no, but, but listen, he what he's saying is he's not. He, remember, at the beginning of the year, he said, "Well, I'm happy with our defense." If you go out and say, "Oh, I'm not happy with our defense," and the price on defense goes up, I understand. I understand. So and I, hope I think he's being strategic he's, about it. Yes, I think that's he's too smart of a guy to not be strategic. So I put, really think that that's what it is. Put your money where your mouth is. Make the acquisitions that win this team a Stanley Cup. Stop talking of like you are uh, poor and you know, or, or have to be overly cognizant of everything you do because the entire house of cards could collapse. The richest team in hockey that is stacked to the rafters. Talking about, well, asset management. We have to make sure that we bring back the right. Ra- no shit, Sherlock. But if you need to pull the trigger on something that's going to make this team that much better and put it in a, a better position to win the Stanley Cup, do it. And I hope they do it. And I hope that Mike Babcock, you know, and, and Kyle Dubas get on board with, you know, the same uh, line of thinking because, I mean, you can't have Kyle or Mike Babcock wanting to have a veteran backup uh, there to offspell Frederick Anderson. But Kyle Dubas is too concerned about making sure that they get, they, you know, they get their just desserts or fruits of all their labor on Garrett Sparks. I, I, gotta, I, these guys have to get on the same page because the goal is to win a Stanley Cup. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. Absolutely zero else. But win the cup. That's it. That's the it. common the, the commonality of the five names I mentioned is that they won't cost a ton. Is that in terms of asset? And I don't mind my general manager, or you know, if I'm if I'm owning a team, I don't mind my general manager talking about asset management management because you have to you have to maximize your assets to be the best team you can possibly be. So, but we're not saying go out and give out a second round pick for a 34 year old Brian Boyle. We're saying okay, a fourth round pick or yep, exactly or, or a grade B prospect. He's like these are value additions, guys who can come in and. Add to the core group that you have without costing a ton. The thing that's going to cost a ton, and I, I, I said this in the beginning of, of my article, 
if you trade for Wayne Simmons, which everybody would love, Wayne Simmons is a top six guy who could fit in on either the line with Matthews or the line with Marner or the line with uh, Marner and Tavares. The problem is it's going to cost probably a first round pick and a top prospect. And that is the type of package they're going to give up for that defenseman that they need. So I'm convinced they're going to get that mm. defenseman and they can't do that and get the top six forward. If, if it's money, yeah. if it's cap space, they have it. It's if it terms of assets, they're not going to give up so much that they're, they're going to mm. dig themselves a hole. So that's so what here, here's what, here's what I wonder. Okay. How do you, how do you put the cherry on top? How do you put yourself in position to win the Stanley cup and not just make sure everybody's happy with how the, finances and um you know the asset management are going how do you put yourself in a position to actually win the stanley cup without eventually taking an asset or one of those chips and sending it away for something that is a gamble but it's a gamble i here's here's what i here's just where all these analytics people just their their arguments done name name me one team that's won a stanley cup based on just analytics bringing in all the young guys and all the all the uh, cost controllable kind of players, and just won the Stanley Cup recently. When's that? When's that happened? It hasn't. So the question is, what did what has Pittsburgh done to win the Stanley Cup besides having the best player in the world? But the Leafs have among the best players in the world. They've got enough stars. What did Washington do last year to win the Cup? What did the Blackhawks do to win those Cups? What did the Kings do to win those Cups? Was it just all? homegrown talent and they just went for it. And if they got lucky, clearly, you know, um, Jonathan quick and um, having Ansi Kopitar and uh, uh, drew Doughty, those things help. Those players are key players, but the Leafs have those guys. Yeah. But it was those teams run through the process and win the cup without making any alterations, without taking any gambles with the assets and the bargaining chips they had. You can't just, not take a chance, especially when you have an abundance of things. It's, and that's my problem here. This seems to be the sexy thing. The, the cool thing is to talk about the salary cap and to talk about asset management and how this player, his analytics are great, but he doesn't cost a lot. That's all fun video game stuff. That's, that's uh, general, what do they call these, these um, fantasy league stuff? But in reality, that doesn't work. So what is he going to do? And does Kyle Dubas, Mike, does Kyle Dubas think this team can win a Stanley Cup this year? Because maybe I'm the dummy who thinks they can, and Kyle Dubas doesn't think so. And he's not willing to make those, you know, those rash, uh, those gambles uh, deal-wise this season. He might think it's next season as opposed to this season. And that's why he's going to run Marinson out there. That's why he's going to run Hall out there. That's why Garrett Sparks is his guy. That's why Goche is his guy on the fourth line. As they're currently constituted, I don't think anybody, even though they're second in the league behind Tampa, I don't think anybody believes that this team can win the Stanley Cup with the blue line that they have. Because right now, Freddie Anderson is playing at a top level, and they're they're still giving up close to 40 shots a night. That will eventually kill you in the playoffs. And if you look at the standings right now, oh, the, the Bruins getting back Bergeron, they're getting back Chara in the next couple days. They're only a couple points behind Buffalo right now it's Boston Toronto in the first round so that's you know that's the reality here now I I, like I said I think Kyle Dubas is smart enough and you have to mix 
a number of things to put together a championship team. All those teams that you mentioned, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Los Angeles, Washington, it was not just top picks like Ovechkin or Kane and Taves or Kopitar or Dowdy or Crosby and Malkin. It was free agent signings, guys like Justin Williams in Los Angeles. Uh, it was guys like uh, acquired via trade or free agency like like Marion Hosa or uh, you know the, the, the number of different players. The, the, it's not just prospects. It's not just tanking and getting top guys. It's not just trades. It's not just free agents. Mm-hmm. It's not just bringing up guys from your minor leagues. It's all of those things. And that's where the Leafs, I think, you know, they made some decent trades. They've made mm-hmm. some uh, good signings, but they need that top four defense. If Phil Kessel wasn't such a sympathetic figure, okay, and Pittsburgh pulled off that deal, sending Kasper and Kapanen to Toronto and Kessel going back, there's probably a lot of people who would have thought, that's the dumbest thing. They won two cups with him. They made it. They made a decision to get rid of a young player who's um, bearing great things for the Maple Leafs right now in Casper Capitan, and that's the gamble. But Pittsburgh won two more cups huh. with Phil Kessel, who, who we we all knew was the cherry on top, and was the cherry on top of the Toronto Maple Leafs in their push for a Stanley Cup back in '09 when Brian Burke acquired him. That was ridiculous, and I wrote about it ad nauseum that this move, <laughs> right player, wrong era. So the question is now, and, and this, you know, this kind of throws a wrench into the, to my whole thought process of the Leafs winning a Stanley Cup this year. Am I the only person who thinks they should try to win a Stanley Cup this year? Because if I'm the only person who thinks that, and I'm, I'm out on the island by myself, then that's fine. I'll, I'll regress and pull off the, the, the accelerator a little bit. But don't you think it's time to start going for Cups? Not being foolish about it, but at some point you're going to have to take your wonderful well, that, assets that you don't want to give away and your picks that you don't want to give away. At some point you're going to have to take that leap of faith to put yourself in better position to win the Stanley Cup. Well, and if it's this year you don't think that they can do it with a 115-point team and the most savage forwards in the game, that maybe the game is seen in quite some time, goodness gracious, you're, you're wasting a year because if you have five to seven, you're already into year three. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Well, the the, the thing the thing here is that I, I look at I look at this team and I look at the philosophy of Dubis and Shanahan and they've said and they've said this ad nauseum. They want to contend for the Stanley Cup for not just one year, but for a number of years. Now, the opportunity, the window is here in in the sense that they have cap space, they have Marner and Matthews still on entry level deals, so they have almost six million in cap space and more if they put Nathan Horton on long-term injury. So the window is there to add. Now they're probably not going to add rentals unless it's just guys like I just mentioned, a, a defensive depth guy, a forward depth guy. They're probably not going to add rentals if they're going to trade significant assets. Dubas has said, I want to trade for somebody who's got term on his contract. So, you know, if you're trading for, a Justin Falk or a Brett Pesci or a Colton Pareko, they all have term left in their contracts. They help sure. you they help you for more than one year. Okay. And that's that I mean, that helps them this year and it helps them in the future. And that's the best case scenario. But I don't think they're gonna pull back from trying to improve this team 
to take a run at the Stanley Cup because if they would be abrogating their responsibilities as the president and the general manager of the Maple Leafs if they didn't try their utmost to win a Stanley Cup. But they're going to try to win a Stanley Cup this year and in the future, and that doesn't mean that means they're not going to mortgage the future. Did you just drop the word abrogating? Yeah. See, we learn things all the time. Leafs, Converse, TLCOGs, get on Google, thesaurus, dictionary, abrogating. How do you spell that? A, B, your guy, Jing. Anyway, um, we've got to get moving here, Mike. I, I want to get to a couple of the uh, Leafs, Converse, and their cues. We want to provide A's for their cues. Do you have anything to say about the World Juniors? Um, I'm obviously in a mood today. Yes. Um, the World Juniors just aren't what they used to be because I'm thinking of the past. Things aren't as good now as they once were. No, 14 nothing over – who did they play? Denmark. De- Denland or Denmark? Um, come on, man. They should have just called that game after the second period. That was – it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, and I know the people – for me, I, I'd like the, the pomp and circumstance of the production and it being the festive season great, but – that's an embarrassment. That's kind of stuff is ridiculous. And I know Morgan Frost gets player of the game. Good for him. I mean, could the guys in, from Denmark even skate? Like, they're 14 nothing. Ridiculous. It is well, what it is. But now Ian a, Scott starts tonight. I can't wait. That would be fun to watch just to watch that, and then I'm out. At a certain point, you know, and, you know, the, when they're scoring goals late in the game, they're not even celebrating the goals. It's just, you know, like, let's get through this. But it's tough to sort of turn that off and not not score. But, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing. And, um, yeah, Ian Scott's going to start tonight. But Tim Hunter, the former Leaf assistant coach, who's the uh, the head coach of Team Canada, came out and said that Mikey DiPietro is his go-to guy. So Ian Scott starting tonight is possibly the last start he's going to get, which I, I don't know how you can decide on your number one goaltender after a 14, nothing romp over a team that didn't, he wasn't even in the, you know, even in the game for five seconds. So, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit short-sighted, but that he's, he's decided on DiPietro as the go-to yeah. guy. There's politics. And I mean, what, what, politics and hockey? Ask Nazem Kadri about politics and hockey when he didn't make that team. What, 10 years ago when he should have, and then he made it, and it was just a, a, a bit of a disaster, and it didn't – clearly it left a bad taste for him in his mouth uh, with his involvement um, with Hockey Canada, but it is what it is. I, I like to see how the Leaf prospects and draft picks do. Great stuff. Other than that, you know, t- let me know how the, the tournament goes. I, I'm, I'm semi-interested, but I, I have puzzles to do and Star Wars to watch, and – but uh, Dr- drones to fly with my kids. I'll, I'll, I'll just say the three other Leaf prospects, uh, 2018 draft pick Philip Crawl. All, actually, all 2018 draft picks because Scott was a 2017 draft pick. But Philip Crawl for the Czech Republic, uh, Pontus Holmberg for Sweden, and Rasmus Sandin, their first-round pick. Uh, all played yesterday. All played pretty well. Sandin um, is, I think, on, other than – Eric Brandstrom and Adam Boquist, the best defenseman on Sweden, and you know looked pretty good yesterday. So you know we'll keep an eye on those guys. I'm going to write about them and just you know, comment on their on what they're doing. But it's not like a few years ago when you had you know Marner playing there or Matthews playing for Team USA. These are players who eventually could be good role players. Although Sandine, I think, eventually could be a top four defenseman. But I'll keep an eye on them and we'll report on them as this as the tournament goes on. This is the Leafs combo, Norman James with Mike Augello. Just a few things left, and then we're out of here. It is the holiday season, and we have things to do. At least I do. Um, Mike, just quick answers on these, buddy. I know you sure. can go on, and I can go on. 
And this is our podcast, so we can go on. And some people like short bursts of Leafs combo, and other people want us to go on for hours and hours. I don't know about hours and hours, but depending on the situation, maybe we can do a show with a little bit more length to it. Um, who is this? Caleb Merkstrom, TLCOG, Leafs convert, always on the YouTube comment section, keeping it real. Thanks, Caleb. We've got a question, Mike and Norm. Uh, Jake Gardner has continued every year to show us what he is, a good offensive D-man that is terrible in his own end. My question is, on a team that has now turned into an offensive juggernaut and struggles from time to time defensively, why are people so attached to this offensive D-man who's cost the Leafs many games and important ones with his awful D-zone play? Why are they so attached? You and me both, Caleb, we're just wondering about these things. It's like the meaning of life. We'll never figure it out. Michael, real quick. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, they like Jake Gardner. I think they, you know, respect him as a player, but I don't think they're attached to him, and that's why I don't think he's going to be back after this year. I mean, he's making $4 million right now. I think he means fans, though, Mike. I mean, that's, that's – if honestly, I comment I on the fans, you comment on the team because that's I don't, our I – don't, I don't think the fans are attached to Jake Gardner at all. I think if J- the fans get on Jake Gardner when he makes a stupid play, and we've seen enough of them that I think, you know, they, they get on him a lot. So, I mean – I, they have treated him fine after essentially he was one of the main reasons they lost in game seven to Boston. But when he makes giveaways, they, they, they tell him that he's not playing well. So I, I don't think they're supremely attached to Jake Gardner and Jake Gardner may get a video presentation when he comes back in a different uniform next year. But I don't think anybody's going to cry a tear when he leaves. It's ride or die with Jake Gardner this season. And I, I'm glad because they need him this season if they're going to take a run at a Stanley Cup. I mean, we don't even know. Are they taking a run at a Cup? I hope they do. Uh, Jake Gardner has some demons to exercise. It's just he makes arbitrary plays that a player of his ilk, stature, expertise, and pay grade should not be making. I don't go on about his, um, you know, his ability to rush the puck and how he can, you know, get into the offensive zone and want to throw all these advanced stats that suit your argument but really don't have any um, merit to what's really happening, right? I mean, there are still people out there who think Jake Gardner's better than Morgan Riley. They'll never, they'll go to their graves thinking this. They're insane, but they think this. And the worse, the, the, the more egregious his mistakes get, the deeper they dig for numbers to um, mitigate or, Dampen, dampen down the, the shit show that he provides for us. It's too bad because the guy has so many incredible qualities, and I hope he scores a Stanley Cup winning goal. Uh, two more questions. RJR at Plunder17. Will Babs take more seriously the fact that players like Hall and Sparks need more of regularized time schedule to stay fresh? This game is too hard to be a player that comes in every couple of weeks or take 30 games off. I'll answer that right off the bat. Great point, RJR. You're probably right. Will Babs acknowledge it? I have no darn clue. Um, The the other question that is related to that, if you are adding more of these inexperienced guys to let them season and find their way at, at potential peril of the team, what does that say about your focus and dedication to not only competing but winning the Stanley Cup? Mike, real quick. Short answer, no. Mike Babcock will not play Garrett Sparks more unless he has confidence in him. He will not play Justin Hall because he would rather play Igor Ozoganov or Martin Marinson. 
No. He's, I think Justin Hall is Frankie Corrado or Josh Levo. He will only play him when he has confidence in him. And how can you have confidence if the guy doesn't play? It's a sort of catch-22. Our next yeah. question from Puck Daddy, at Puck Daddy on Twitter. If Dubas trades Nylander in the offseason, will he lose all credibility with the players, Michael? Uh, I don't think he'll lose credibility because there's no no trade clause in, in, in place. And I, I the funny thing is, is that the differentiation between what William Neander said and what Dubas said was clear from the very day of the press conference uh, at, at Scotiabank arena or the scrum in the, in the locker room. Uh, Neander said, Kyle Dubas is not going to trade me while he's general manager. And Dubas says he would, and I'm paraphrasing here, he would do his level best to not have to trade Neander. Now that's two completely different things. If he, has to he will and anybody looking at the Leafs structure right now and having to pay Marner and Matthews and Kapanen and Janssen the easiest move is after paying that 8.3 million dollar signing bonus is to trade Neilander to a clear space and to bring back you know if they if they haven't gotten that top four defenseman to bring back uh, that or young assets who are more mm-hmm. inexpensive and that that's the thing like Kyle Dubas is not closing himself off to do anything that he needs to do for the betterment of the team. Tweet from Pierre Lebrun. I normally don't pay much attention to what this guy says, but uh, for all those who think the Leafs need to shed Marlowe's contract this summer because of Toronto's precarious cap situation, another reminder of how much the veteran has bonded with the young stars on that team. A player's value isn't just on the ice. And, of course, there's a litany of responses from the data heads, I mean, most of them are just indoctrinated uh, going on about how, well, it's, you know, asset management, you want to bring young, younger people, there's money involved here, uh, as if Marlowe's not a human being. But William Nylander, oh, geez, he's the heart and soul of, uh, of the Maple Leafs, the, the greatest Swede to play since Borea Salmi or P- Peter Forsberg. We've got to have him, but Patrick Marlowe, because he's older, screw him, get rid of him. It's, and, and I don't, I'm, I never crying um, discrimination or never really I'm never the victim but it's ageism it really is there's as Pierre Lebrun is saying there's more to a player's value than just his age um, yes. where he's at it's ageism and I find that a lot of young players they just can't stand anybody who's older they just well, they, I, they, they don't I, understand a lot of young I people don't think that's the case I mean I'll just tell you, you know I mean I agree with Pierre Lebrun is that in, in the mm-hmm. sense that Marlowe has been an important add to this franchise because, and it, just look at the effect that he's had on Marner sure, and Matthews. Sure. And, and, and have to say, he's a character guy. He's well-liked yeah. in the locker room, and he's still producing. He's sure. still scoring. So I don't th- – I, I mean, th- there were people out there who said, well, the third year of that contract is the year that they, you know, they buy him. I mean, I, there's a Toronto radio personality who says, oh, they're going to buy him out after the after the second year. It's a 35 and over contract. You can't buy him out. It's not yeah. going to be any any savings on the cap. So it's one more year with the guy and then he's done. We all know that it's, I mean, you're put out to pasture at some point, your run is done and nobody's expecting Patrick Marlowe to, to sign an extension or come back. There's going, he, there are players. And I said, the team is stacked and set in a lot of ways and they have players who will take his place, but goodness gracious, got to get rid of him now. I mean, well, the, blame, blame William Nylander and the fact that Leafs signed William Nylander to that, to that contract. If you're upset about the precarious, cap situation did they really have to sign this guy no they didn't i don't think they did but they did and now they're up against it and of course somebody else has to uh, 
pay the piper. I think Marlowe is a valuable add to this team. I think you'll find, I mean, you saw last year in the playoffs, he was one of the few guys, you know, Neilander did not have a good playoff. Neither did Matthews. A few other guys did not perform well. It was Marlowe and Matthews, or sorry, Marlowe and Marner that were the two best uh, offensive producers for this mm-hmm. team. So I don't expect anything different this year. I think Patrick Marlowe will prove his value when it counts the most where he has the most experience in the postseason. The Leafs are going to contend for cups. They should contend for cups between now and, what, five, six years down the line. No matter what they do, nobody's pulling the plug in the organization and selling all to go in right now, selling everybody to go in for this season. This organization is built to the built up over the last several years to be able to keep players, sign players, move players out, trade ships, uh, re- reacquire ships. Whatever it takes to win the Stanley Cup, I don't care about your fantasy team, and I don't care about all the chit chat about you know who's which player brings a hidden value that um, we're not um, you know, we're not giving appreciation to, and how can we get rid of someone who's actually good so we can make room for this young player who have decent analytics to let them come up and 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 you know just be average. This is all about winning a Stanley Cup. Uh, last thing on William Nylander, we haven't talked much about him. John Valella, uh, loyal listener, TLCOG, Leafs convert on Twitter. Missing 28 games and all of camp would cause a player to be really behind if the absence was due to an injury. I'm reading this cold first time and my eyes are practically shut because I'm tired from work. Um, but Nylander was able to skate and train. He looks lost. So he's putting the onus and the responsibility on William Nylander, who was able to skate and train even if he wasn't in a a game situation or, you know, an intense practice environment. Um, he's wondering why William Melander is not better uh, at through nine, 10 games than he is. Mike, uh, your take, my take, and we're out. I, I just think that players, you see the value of training camp. You see the value of playing from the beginning of the season. And it's not just physicality. It's not just, cardio it's not just being in shape which i think he is i think it's more timing and the fact Mm -hmm. that you know he hasn't been skating with the same players since the middle of september in niagara falls or Mm -hmm. playing in preseason games or regular season games he was on his own and now he's playing catch up and it's tough to play catch up when everybody is operating on all eight Mm -hmm. cylinders and he's operating on maybe five or six no no question William Nylander and the Nylanderites have to know when they look in the mirror and they reconcile and they confront themselves and they tell themselves the truth that he's one of the great players on the team, but he's not the best player on the team. And and forget about uh, creating a hierarchy or a list. What's happened here is William Nylander is trying to um, make up ground, play catch up with players who are elite very good very very good better than he is and that's hard to do now if he were returning to pick a crappy team i don't really pay much attention to the bottom of the standings but pick a crappy team the montreal canadians (laughs) kidding no am i am i kidding maybe i'm not maybe i am but pick a crappy team william nylander comes back and i guarantee has a greater impact because the competition's not that great this team is well beyond um where he probably hoped it would be so he could be you know find his feet a little bit quicker it's going to take time 
Um, and to be honest with you, people think I hate William Nylander and I'm bashing him. I'm just being honest, guys. Let's just let's be honest with ourselves here. That's it. And I don't care about William Nylander as a person. I don't really care about his character or the image that's been created. I want this guy to come back, contribute, and help the team. And I'll say it again, win a Stanley Cup. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only guy who wants to see this team win a championship. But that's what I'm hoping for. And I think he's going to come around. And I, you know, I think there's going to be a time uh, th- throughout the final run of the season, whenever that starts, where you know this cat's going to really start to, to, to fire up and get going. Uh, it's not his fault the organization butchered his return. It was an absolute butcher job that Kyle Dubas and Mike Babcock, I hate using this word, but it's true, should be ashamed of. It was an absolutely terrible return. It wasn't on Willie. It was on Babcock and Dubas. Brutal. But we're past that now. Um, William Nylander is going to find his legs. I'm, what, I, what I don't want to see is his success pinned on how well Austin Matthews does. And if, it's Austin, if Austin Matthews can't create for him, William Nylander still has to try to figure out how to get it done himself, right? Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, right now, like I, I've said a few times, the anti-Nylander faction and the pro-Nylander faction are united in one respect. They want him to play well because if the goal of this organization is to trade him, uh, and I'm not saying the goal, you know, that they're they're going to do it definitely, but you know, if they need to, they want his value to be maximized. And if the the player, the people who want him to succeed here, want him to get off the schneid and and play like the player that has played the last two seasons, so everybody's united. And now it's basically waiting for him to finally click into gear. Have yourself a good one, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Norman. That is a wrap for this episode of the Leafs Convo Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Hands Emoji, Blue Heart, as always. If you want to get in touch with me, at Norman James TLC on Twitter, at Mike and Buffalo, yada, yada, yada. Perhaps we could be partners corporately going forward. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, whether as a title sponsor or perhaps getting a little ad that we can read throughout the show, let's talk about it. The Leafs Convo at gmail.com. We'd love to be in business with you if you like what you hear in us. For Mike Ogello, I'm Norman James. We'll talk to you soon. The Leafs Convo is out.